to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. This is Jesus' promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, whom John calls the paraclete. This is John's gospel beginning at the end of chapter 15. When the paraclete comes, whom I will send to you from the Father... The Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to the one who sent me. Yet none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send this paraclete to you. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, the Spirit will guide you into all the truth. For the Spirit does not speak on her own, but will speak whatever she hears, and she will declare to you the things that are to come. She will glorify me, because she will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that God has is mine. For this reason, I said that God will take what is mine and declare it to you. That is the word of God today for us, the people of God. Together we say, thanks be to God. Well, friends, welcome to the seventh Sunday of this series on the The marks of a vital congregation today, the seventh mark of a healthy church is healthy churches. (laughs) I didn't make this up. They call it ecclesial health, right? That's the name of today. Ecclesia is the Greek word for church. Again, why they decided to call it ecclesial health rather than church health, I don't know. It just made me add extra sentences to my sermon in order to explain it. Today, we are talking about church health, about the the health of Christ's church. And today is, as I'm sure you are aware of by now, Pentecost Sunday. This is the day that we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit to bring energy and fire and life to the church. Today, the church is 1,990 or so years old, give or take a few years. And how does she look? (laughs) Be careful, right? What can we say about the health of the church 
on this day. Let's start by saying it is a hot mess. I'm not sure how much y'all pay attention to what's going on in the wider church, but let me give you a brief rundown. Let's begin with the garden variety church shrinkage problem. The PCUSA last year had 1,193,770 members. 1,193,770. How many did we have in 1965? More. Good, good answer. 4.25 million. That's a church shrinkage problem. It's not just the PCUSA, pretty much every denomination out there is shrinking, the liberal ones and the conservative ones. COVID exacerbated this problem tremendously. An estimated one in five churches is risking closure right now as a function of what happened during COVID, people not having enough money and resources to put, pay into the offering plates and support churches. Millions of folks stopped going to church during COVID as well they should have, but are they coming back? And that's all the cultural shift that's happening right now, the demographic shifts. But let's talk for a minute about churches imploding on themselves. Anybody want to talk about the Southern Baptists this morning? Lord have mercy. Last week you heard perhaps that there was a strategic cover-up of decades of sexual abuse by hundreds of clergy with thousands of victims. The leadership of the SBC knew about these pastors and they said nothing. There's our brothers and sisters in the Methodist Church who are in a slow motion collapse, dividing about that issue that is at the heart of Jesus' ministry, same gender sexual activity. The Episcopalians had a mellow week, but we did just learn that their leading theologians affirmed that communion is only for those who are baptized. Interesting, right? Of course, Jesus, when he gave his body and blood for us, only ever intended it for church members, right? Ooh. I could go on, right? Happy Pentecost to you, friends. Good morning. The church needs a mighty spirit blowing through today of all days. We are a mess. What on earth could we say about the health of the church on this Pentecost day? Well, let's start closer to home, okay? Let's start here at North Decatur Presbyterian Church. When people ask me, how are things at the church, my most common answer is, we're a healthy church. That's what I say to people. Now, that may not sound to you like a ringing endorsement, but that's about the best thing you can say about a church in this day and age. We are a healthy church. NDPC is healthy by most ways that you can measure. Our finances are fine. You all have been tremendously generous during the course of the pandemic, not just to this congregation, but to our mission partners as well. We have terrific elders. We always have. Our congregation has been led by the people in the pews. You have incredible gifts, and you share them freely. We have a great staff right now. Amen? Amen, especially up in the balcony. Worship is down. 
It's true we're down by about a third over where we might be at a comparable time in our history, but that's understandable. Folks are still figuring out whether this is a safe place to be. But those numbers also don't include the 60 to 80 folks who are watching our worship services online every week. Our social media is finally working on all major platforms, which is ironic because I keep telling you that social media is rotting our brains. There's a paradox there, of course. Youth groups are meeting again. It's good to see our young people uh, back. They're off to Kent's farm today, to Montreat next week. Mission has been hard for us to carry out, at least in person over the course of the pandemic, but all of that is starting to get going again, and you have done some amazing things for our mission partners over the course of the last couple of years. And we're doing something really, really cool right now, something we haven't done in years as a congregation. It's called planning. I'm really excited about it. You should see the results of this amazing activity in the fall when we get back as a full congregation when the summer's over. According to the things that you can count, money in the plate, butts in the pews, NDPC is doing fine. But, there's another but, right? But church is weird. A church can have cash coming in, There can be people filling the pews. A church can even have a certain kind of energy to it and still not be a healthy church. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? The smallest church can be healthier than the biggest one. Ecclesial health is not about the things that you can necessarily count. There's something else that matters for our health. What is it? Can we name it? Can we see it? When we started this Vital Congregations Initiative and put these seven marks, these pictures up on the walls back in February, and we started talking about these seven marks, it, 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 something in my mind went back, and I, I remembered another list that the church had come up with, a, church, a, a, a list of church characteristics a list that tried to name what churches aspire to that can't be measured. In 1910, the Presbyterian Church first wrote into our book of order, our constitution, something called the great ends of the church. Now, we don't talk about ends a lot anymore, right? Uh, when we talk about something uh, ending, we think that's, that's the destruction of something, right? Right? But when we talk about an end, we're talking about that thing's purpose. What's the end of a violin? It's not when it gets run over by a car, right? The end of a violin is to make beautiful music. The end of a tree is to grow and spread its branches and make shade and bear fruit and reproduce. Ends are something the Greek philosopher Aristotle taught a lot about. Aristotle believed that everything in nature had an intrinsic purpose. Everything exists for a reason. If something is not moving toward its its end, it won't thrive. There won't be any life in that thing. 
But when something is moving in the direction of its end, it's magical. It's just like it's supposed to be. That thing is luminous and there is life in it. So if you want to find life, if you want to come to life, you have to know what you're there for, what you exist for. You have to know what your end is. So what's the end of a church? It's not the moment we shrink down to nothing and stop existing. Our old fuddy-duddy Presbyterian ancestors in 1910 said that there are six things that define a church's end. And even after 110 years, I think these, these six things are still worth sharing. So Jason, let's bring up these slides one by one. The language might seem a little antiquated, but I'm going to tell you that it's not at all old-fashioned. Number one, the number one end of the church, proclaim the gospel for the salvation of humankind. We are called to bring good news. Gospel means good news. We are supposed to talk every time we gather about God's love for the world, for every living thing, and the saving power of that love. Amen? Amen. We have to talk about things that matter. Proclaim the gospel for the salvation of humankind. Number two, the second end of the church is the shelter nurture and spiritual fellowship of the children of God. This is our caring call, right? This is our call as people to reach out and take care of each other, shelter each other from the storms of life, to nurture each other as we nurture our children so that we all grow up and flourish to maintain spiritual fellowship. We are not a club, right? We are people on a journey, a sacred journey together. We take care of each other. That's the second end of the church. Number three, the maintenance of divine worship. We're doing it right now. Every week we gather and give thanks to God from whom all blessings flow. We find ourselves hopefully energized for the life that we are called to live through our worship. That's number three. The fourth end of the church. Ooh. Ooh, somebody in the church needs to hear this one. What we say in this place has to be true. We have to hold our great story along with the truths of science to find in the world a, 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 an epistemology that works, a way of describing what is real. We have to use language of myth, language of science, language of story, and try to describe what it is to be a human being on this earth, people who have both a scientific, biological, but also a spiritual nature. We have to preserve the truth. Number five, the promotion of social righteousness. 
Black lives matter. Every bit as much as the potluck or the color of the carpet in the narthex, yes? Right? If we lose track of social righteousness, if we're not focused as an institution on, on ending structural poverty or systemic racism or stopping to the best of our ability this climate catastrophe, if we're not doing those things as a church, we are lost. Social justice is not a distraction for the church. It is one of our great ends. And finally, we are to be an exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world. You thought you were just showing up at church today, right? <laughs> thought you were just coming to worship. You are exhibiting the beloved community of God to the world. What, uh, what do you think it means to pray uh, on, on earth as it is in heaven, right? We want things on earth to be as God intends them to be. We are to model together the life that Jesus describes. People are supposed to look at us, yes, us, and say, look at how those folks love each other. Look at the joy that they have. I want to be like them. People are supposed to look at this place, at you and me and the life that we share, and say those people are figuring out what it is to be a human being. Those people are alive. They are full of life. And I want what they've got. When you and I are living together in the direction of these great ends of the church, when we are making decisions to use our resources and our time, our lives are devoted toward these ends, that is the mysterious, unquantifiable mystery of a healthy, vital church. It is not exactly something you can engineer in a strategic plan. It is, in fact, the presence of the Holy Spirit that makes it happen if it happens at all. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and into the church, when we are listening to God's Spirit and following the movement of God's Spirit into the world, we are moving toward our end. We are fulfilling our divine purpose. In today's story from John's Gospel, Jesus says to the disciples, I am headed out. I'm going away. But when I leave, when I go away, something else is replacing me. This something else will be with you always, and it will sustain you through everything. John calls this thing the paraclete, which is a weird word. It doesn't mean just one thing. It means the one who consoles us, the one who brings us comfort in our grief. 
It means the one who helps us, the one who walks alongside of us when we struggle. Paraclete also is a legal word. It's like our defense attorney who comes to to bear witness on our behalf when the world tries to diminish or degrade or demean the way of love. When you and I find ourselves pulled into shallow and selfish lives, it is the paraclete, our divine defense attorney, who comes to keep us clear about who we are and what we are here for. In all honesty, I don't always love John's gospel. I especially recoil at this highly oppositional language. The world is going to hate you stuff. I don't always love that. But here's where I find resonance with that language today. Something is tearing the church apart. Something about the way that we have made life and made life together is preventing us from living into our full humanity. It's not just that the church is shrinking, it's that we have lost track of what it is to be alive. Something has made us forget our responsibility to each other. Something has allowed us to ignore the inhumanity in the community around us. Something has allowed us to forget that we are these fragile creatures who depend on each other and depend on God. We do need something to come to remind us who we are, what it is to be alive, to be a human being made in the image of God for the purpose of love. We need something to come and remind us what the church is for. Something is at stake, something essential. Let us keep praying. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Let the people say, Amen.